Welcome and welcome back to the Popleston Island podcast, where we discuss licensing topics to help you and also me get a better understanding of what licensing is all about. Some of the most frequent questions that we get asked as licensing solicitors is how to handle drunk customers. So for this month's episode, I thought I would bring in our licensing expert and partner, James Anderson, to answer some of your most frequent questions, as well as give you some top tips to focus on as operators. The first question, um, if the law states that we can't serve a customer who is drunk, how should I define drunk? Yes, the law does state that it is an offence to serve someone who is drunk and under the Licensing Act 2003. So anyone who works in a pub and serves someone who is drunk could commit an offence. Drunk is not defined in the Licensing Act or indeed legally. So it is a question of fact and degree as to whether someone is drunk or not. And indicators will be the person's demeanour, behaviour, coherence, um, language, that type of thing. So it's an assessment that's made by the pub staff and ultimately, if need be, the manager as to whether the person is drunk or not. Um, So what if their friends are buying the drunk person drinks? At that point, I'm not really refusing them, but I know they're still drinking. What should I do? Yes, so not not committing the you're not committing an offence bizarrely um, if the sale is not to the drunk person. But if you're if you see that uh, that the the friends who are, who are sober are buying drinks for um, a person who is or persons who are drunk, then you you should intervene because it clearly isn't in anyone's interest that uh, a person is. Um, getting more and more intoxicated and that's bad for that person potentially dangerous uh, and could have an impact on the or on the pub or or, or the bar so uh, even though strictly speaking there may not be a legal reason it's perfectly legal for um, the the person in the bar or the duty manager to say look um, I'm not going to sell you any more because your your friend is clearly drunk you should leave the premises, take him or her home, uh, and look after them um, before that person, you know, is is getting so drunk that they're putting their own health and well-being at risk. Do I have the right to refuse entry to anyone I want? Um, and, are, and are there any situations I should look out for? Yes, um, although not enshrined in the Licensing Act. Uh, in fact. It's a common law right uh, uh, to refuse entry to licensed premises uh, and indeed to refuse service if that person comes in because, of course, um, in, a, in a nightclub or late bar situation, uh, there are door staff who do the job, essentially, of deciding who comes into the premises or not, uh, whether people are old enough, whether they're behaving suitably, suitably dressed, etc., etc. In a pub, uh, commonly that person will simply walk in without any restriction and come to the bar. And at that point, in a pub scenario, the person behind the bar makes an assessment. Uh, but it's perfectly lawful to refuse to ser- refuse entry or indeed once that person is in, to say to that person, I'm sorry, uh, I want you to leave the premises. And indeed, no reason has to be given. 
following on from that what happens yeah. if the person claims that the reason for the ejection is based on their race or sexuality um, or so on even when it of course doesn't well th- there's two elements to the question there um, so um, following on from the answer I just gave uh, of course it, it there is equality, the Equalities Act 2010, which protects people um, racially um, and in relation to disability and sex, sexual discrimination. So um, if the reason was perversely um, on any of those grounds, then that could be breach of the Equalities legislation for which the person aggrieved uh, could make a complaint and ultimately go to court to sue the op- op- operator. And that has happened. There have been cases where, um, for example, um, there was a pub company involved when uh, members of the traveller community were refused and they made a successful claim against that pub company on the grounds of discrimination. So it is it is possible to do that. Uh, and so the onus is on the person behind the bar and the operator not to make, obviously not to to bar someone for discriminatory grounds because there could be a case against them. What what would be sensible and what what is good practice uh, is always to make a note uh, of uh, refusing to serve and indeed um, some licenses have conditions requiring what's called an incident log. So if, if I refuse to serve someone it would be sensible for me to put down a note of that and um, and the reasons for it and of course and, and sometimes, well, not sometimes, often, uh, the licensed premises have CCTV all over the place. So um, the 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 um, the conversation and the incident would would be caught by CCTV, which may may assist one way or the other. Um, so a more general question is: Yes, what is the role of a designated premises supervisor in terms of handling a drunk person? Well, the, the, the designated premises supervisor, or DPS, um, as it's abbreviated to, has overall control of the of the licensed premises, pub, bar, um, but may not be there the whole time. So normally someone would be in charge, um, a, a, an assistant manager, deputy or duty manager. And so that person would, in theory, probably have to make that decision, I don't think, I think it would depend on the um, on the setup mm-hmm. of the pub because, of course, um, many sort of rural community pubs don't have a lot of staff mm-hmm. um, because it, uh, it, it, of course, affects profitability. So it's possible that a person may have to make that decision on their own, which would be challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so a- anyone who's employed at the pub can make that decision. Okay. What, what is important, I think... Uh, is is and we haven't I haven't touched upon this is is staff training, so that's become more and more um, important in 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 the license industry, uh, and staff training certainly in relation to personal licences, or other staff training would include recognising intoxication, um, and the the um, what what to look for and what action to take, so the the person should be able to recognise that and then uh, should be empowered if there is no duty manager to take that action or make a phone call possibly 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, what yeah. is a mandatory condition and what do they mean to me on a daily basis? Yes, yeah, so there's a number of mandatory conditions on each premises license in England and Wales, on every premises license. And they, they were introduced, in fact, in two segments. Uh, I think the last in 2010, um, because there were concerns at the time that some premises were operating irresponsibly. So the mandatory conditions were uh, an attempt to tighten things up um, there, 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 there were there were press there was press coverage about um, the dentist chair pouring alcohol into the mouth of someone and this was going on in in certain licensed premises and um, drinks promotions uh, were leading to drunkenness and that was causing problems for the police and members of the public on the high street so the mandatory conditions um, which came in some of them were designed to prevent what are what the condition calls irresponsible promotions which would be things like um drinking um, a certain amount of alcohol in a certain time limit uh, games uh, involving drinking large amounts of alcohol mm -hmm. um and unlimited free alcohol so that that those cannot be um allowed um, things like um, happy hours mm -hmm. would be okay. That's generally accepted as a, a good way for businesses to, to promote themselves during quieter periods. Uh, it's a question of fact and degree, but if you're doing, and of course, um, bottomless Prosecco is something that's become increasingly popular. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you see um, um, adverts for that all the time. And uh, in, uh, it, particularly in, in the quieter period, Saturday afternoons and things like that. Um, so what I've advised clients, because of course you are then providing alcohol, which is either cheaper or, or, or maybe free because you, pre, you prepay, don't you, for an hour or two hours and you buy a certain amount of alcohol. Though I think in some places it's, it's unlimited. Mm -hmm. um, and that is generally accepted as okay. I, I'm not aware of any enforcement against that. Um, because the argument is that it's it's you know it's 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 well controlled it's with food uh, and therefore it's not an irresponsible promotion effectively yeah and then yeah. final question before i let you go do it's you okay. have any tips for operators <laughs> i mean it's always difficult as as a, as a lawyer I, 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 t telling operators what to do because that's their <laughs> they 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 know that uh, so much better than me mm -hmm. but I think just to recap on what I what I've said I mean it, it's I, I, drunkenness I think is is in some ways less of a challenge than it used to be when I was young many years ago and in some ways more of a challenge and I say that because when I used to go out uh, as a young lad all those years ago um, m most people drank beer mm -hmm. or lager and it wasn't particularly strong uh, and no one would drink probably a cocktail or a shot. Um, so, um, and beer probably would be 4% strength. If you went over four, four and a half, that would be considered very strong. And now that's much more mainstream. Mm -hmm. So the, the alcohol and shots, of course, has become much more part of the culture, not just amongst younger people, but older people. 
do shots. And so I think there is probably, um, and also things like, you know, I'm 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 probably straying into dangerous territory, but but you know more women, for example, drink pints and shots mm -hmm. than they used to. Um, so it's it's not just blokes going to the pub and drinking lots of beer anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's become more challenging, and yet at the same time, I think amongst a lot of younger people, there is greater awareness of, and indeed a greater reluctance to become intoxicated. Yeah. Uh, through alcohol. Mm -hmm. I think there was a figure released recently which said that one in four 18 to 24 year olds don't drink and that is partly driven I think by by religion but not entirely. Um, some younger people are, are, are not interested and I think of a member of my family as well if it's slightly going off piece but I'm desperately trying to get my 17 year old uh, not in a pub, obviously, <laughs> but at home to... Uh, although he could, of course, drink a beer with food, which I've also tried perfectly lawfully. But I've tried to get him to have a beer and he's not—he's just not remotely interested. Yeah. And several of his friends are the same. So there seems to be a change in culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so sort of reducing the risk. Y younger people don't seem to want to go to the pub. I was desperate to go to the pub as a 16, 17, 18-year-old because I thought it was a rite of passage to become a man mm -hmm. but uh, many of the younger generation are not particularly bothered so I think it's both uh, easier and harder because consumption has changed and the third element just to, about that of course and a major change is the issue of preloading um, which it presents operators with a, another problem because of course people may be arriving at their venue intoxicated um, uh, and later at night and that was not something that was around really when I was younger people just went out earlier and they consumed alcohol in in the pub in a regulated environment now more and more people I think due to financial a greater financial difference between the off-sale price and the on-sale price um, it's well it's, it's massive yeah. um, they are drinking more at home and then going out so that is also you know an issue so um, uh, advice tips uh, I mean staff training is crucial vigilance uh, recording uh, of uh, any incidents and um, you know we live in a world where there is greater probably greater responsibility on operators I'm thinking of things like drink spiking which is very much in the news and you know um, Martin's law and things like that so uh, in that environment um, operators have to be you know, even even more aware than they used to be. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, James. Thank you, Paula. That's all right. Well, thank you for joining and listening to this month's episode. Based on the conversation that we've had with James today, I hope that we were able to give you a better understanding and insight into handling drunk customers on your premises. If you have any other questions regarding this, please feel free to contact James on his email on j.anderson at popple.co.uk or please feel free to contact any of our other licensing solicitors, which you can find on our website at www.popple.co.uk and Popple Stead Allen on all our other social media platforms.